Funding for the Capital Weekly Podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Welcome to the Capital Weekly Podcast. I'm John Howard, and I'm joined by Tim Foster. Hello. And our special guest today is Dave Weisskopf, who's Senior Policy Advisor for NextGen. And we're going to talk today about uh, environmental issues, specifically the governor's executive order on uh, removing all new cars and passenger trucks that are sold in the state. They have to be zero emission vehicles by 2035, which seems sort of amazing. Um, Dave, thank you very much. Thanks for joining us. What What's your first take on this order from the governor, this executive order? Thanks for having me, John. Uh, this is a huge deal. Um the way that I think of this order is I put it into context of the state's 2045 carbon neutrality goal. And that goal means that we have to eliminate uh, all the sources of fossil fuel combustion that we can because there are lots of other um, sources of greenhouse gases that are actually much harder to remove. Um, and we have to figure out a way either to address those um, or to even develop um, ways to remove carbon from the atmosphere in order to get at those hardest to reach sectors. So when it comes to things like electricity and cars, we know how to do it. And so the science and the economics say, let's make sure that we get those done first uh, and we can get them done uh, as quickly as possible. Well, two things immediately came to mind when I was uh, looking at the text from the governor's office. One, zero emission vehicles means electric vehicles. Is that correct? Or is there some other source of uh, power for vehicles that would meet this definition? Hydrogen fuel cell, for example, or is this basically electric powered cars? Uh, you're right that hydrogen fuel cells also uh, qualify as zero emission vehicles. Um, there may be other zero emission technologies that um, are not yet developed. Um, but really what zero emission vehicles means is essentially that uh, there's no tailpipe, or if there's a tailpipe, there's no carbon dioxide coming out of it. Uh-huh. Okay. And where is um, where is diesel, diesel power in this? Does it does it cover that? Is this is it the do diesel power vehicles are they under the jurisdiction of this order, or are they somehow separated out, or did the order make that clear? Yeah. Um, so the the I'll, I'll just read maybe a little bit or paraphrase from the text of the order. Um, is to set a goal for the state that 100% of in-state sales of new passenger cars and trucks are zero emission by 2035. Uh-huh, okay. And then, so medium and heavy-duty vehicles, so those are things like delivery trucks, but also heavy-duty um, semi-trucks need to be zero emission by 2045. Um, and... By 2035, for what are called drayage trucks that operate um, at ports. So there's also a goal to transition to 100% uh, zero emission off-road vehicles and equipment by 2035. And those off-road vehicles, I, I, I know that sounds like sort of like four wheelers, but um, that's actually a pretty big sector. So th that's like loading equipment, um, forklifts, um, other other kind of vehicles that are used, you know, outside of the sort of moving things on roads. The uh, the advantage, I guess, of an executive order is that the governor can issue it unilaterally. The, the disadvantage of an executive order is that it can be 
uh, repealed or can be eliminated just as quickly by the follow by the next governor. Do you see this order having enough? Um, this is really more of a political question, but do you see this order having enough political legs to stand after Newsom leaves office, or is this a bone of contention? Do you think for the next governor coming in, whoever that might be? Well, it depends who the next governor is, of course. But I think that what we're seeing is that the climate crisis continues to accelerate. Um, taking action on climate is one of the most politically popular positions in California um, and throughout the country, honestly, among both Democrats uh, and independents. And even um, depending on which survey you look at, sometimes a majority of Republicans. Uh -huh. So the idea that uh, the voters in the state would... Um, would want to move backwards rather than forwards, I think is is um, not supported by just the immediacy and the urgency that we see with these fires and the clouds of orange smoke um, hanging over our cities and the extreme heat um, that is, you know, becoming more and more oppressive by the day and, and people, people are really recognizing the need for action. I think if we look back at Jerry Brown's executive orders, uh, we see that we've moved forward that um, even going back to Governor Schwarzenegger, um, our first climate goal in the state was really enacted by executive order uh, from Governor Schwarzenegger. Then the legislature took it up. Then Jerry Brown did more executive orders Then the legislature took those up. So we have this sort of back and forth that keeps um, advancing our climate policy in the state. And I think this is part of that broader pattern. Hey, Dave, can you put this in context for us? Where does this relate to other jurisdictions, you know, either in the United States or worldwide? I mean, are there other places that are banning gas-powered vehicles or sales of new gas-powered vehicles uh, by 2035 or anything similar to that? Yeah, I do, I do want to just, um, I do want to answer that, but I also just want to kind of maybe note on the terminology that there's a, a shade of difference here between a, a ban of gas-powered vehicles and um the language in this order, which sets a goal that 100% of sales are zero emission vehicles. Um, I think the, the, the range of policy tools available to achieve that goal of reaching 100% zero emission vehicle sales is very broad. Whereas I think the, the notion of a ban kind of makes it sound like there will be, you know, police going around to car dealerships issuing citations if you're trying to sell a, a non-zero emission vehicle. Um, so it's a little bit different, but I, I do think it's an important clarification. Fair um, to your question itself, um, yeah, uh, in fact, I believe maybe just yesterday, um, the UK announced a goal of 100% zero emission vehicle uh, sales by 2030. The EU um, has some similar policies, um, but this is really the most ambitious policy in the U.S. Um, and there are not a lot of other countries uh, that have that have taken this up yet. To to meet the scientific um, to respond to the level of urgency that the climate crisis um, you know really calls for, according to the scientists who've been working on this for the last fifty years. Um, this is the timeline that we need to be on. Uh, Joe Biden has proposed that the country as a whole go to carbon neutrality by 2050. Um, and in order to do that, really not just California, but every state will be will need to make plans uh, to achieve similar targets to this one on about the same timeline. Do, do you think um, 
with the requirement that new car sales meet uh, these requirements, we're going to have sort of a a bifurcated transportation auto transportation system with new cars, electric vehicles, maybe um, hydrogen fuel cell vehicles on one hand, and clunkers on the other hand, older vehicles that are still on the road and still operating, uh, but will be polluting in the traditional way. Is there any language or is there any policy uh, direction on when those older cars can be phased out or should be phased out? It's such an interesting question uh, because there are so many factors that go into that, but it's it's a really important question. I think if we look at um, the 2035 date at which 100% of new cars should be zero emission, we should also think about the years leading up to that date where a higher and higher percentage of cars will be zero emission every year going forward. And correspondingly, there will be a lower and lower percentage of um, cars that burn gas or diesel um, being sold each year. And so we'll see, we'll see a technological turnover. That said, if you buy a car in 2034 that runs on gasoline, by 2045, it's very reasonable to think that car would still have a lot of life left in it. And so if you're going to have a carbon-free transportation sector in 2045, there needs to be some form of policy to make it so that you don't really need that car that's powered on gasoline anymore. Now, I think what we're seeing in the way the costs are going for these technologies, it's already cheaper to own a battery electric car over the lifetime of ownership than it is to own an equivalent gasoline-powered car. Uh-huh. And every year, electric cars get cheaper and cheaper. And that trend has not been the same with uh, gasoline-powered cars. In fact, on average, they the prices seem to go higher and higher. People are taking out 84-month car loans, which were unheard of 10 years ago. Um, and so the market is moving this direction anyway. What this order does is it really cements that motion in place. It accelerates it a little bit, and it sets clear guideposts for the state agencies and the legislature to enact the kinds of policies that will make that transition as smooth and as stable as possible so that we don't get that kind of bifurcation like you're describing. Uh, I have a question. So yesterday I saw a brief news story that... uh, there had been an announcement about the cost for electric batteries and that they were going to be coming down pretty substantially. Uh, and that speaks to the cost of electric cars going down. Do you have any sense of the advances that may be coming on the sooner side? If we do commit to this, it's going to mean that there's going to be a massive market for electric cars. Uh, do you have any sense of what that might do for the market for electric cars? Is it going to bring more competition into that market and and maybe bring prices down? Absolutely. I think what we're seeing is, again, the market is is moving this way anyway, and that virtually every car company is uh, either very publicly or very quietly making plans to transition their fleets uh, to mostly or all electric or other zero emission. Uh, And meanwhile, new players are entering the market um, and nobody is no one is starting a car company today with the goal of selling a bunch of gasoline-powered cars, um, whereas there are lots of new new entrants in the zero-emission vehicle space. Um, oh, uh, so the yeah, the announcement that you mentioned, um, I think that was from Tesla. They, they set a goal of um, selling an electric vehicle that would be 
uh, I think the price point they're targeting is twenty five thousand, um, which to me is still a lot of money. Uh, but it's <laughs> you know it's uh, very much at the low end of what a new car costs these days. I gather I, I'm still driving a two thousand eight, so I'm I would be one of those uh, folks who needs help transitioning off of the clunker that you're talking. Yeah, about. I have a I'm I'm still driving my nineteen ninety nine Toyota pickup, and they'll pull it from my cold dead hands, but. Uh, yeah, twenty five thousand dollars is not uh, even going to. Those, those were great pickups. I love those pickups. I, I don't think you're going to get any <laughs> Audi for twenty five thousand dollars. That's for sure. Right. What What about the? Um, I'm just wondering if there are any exemptions to the order. Uh, one of the issues that always comes up uh, when we talk about auto emissions and truck emissions is the Los Angeles transportation corridor from the from I guess from the Inland Empire to the ports down there, uh, which is just an enormous. Uh, corridor for diesel trucks and transportation, or they would be affected by this order as much as long as ever, as much as anybody else would be. Is that correct? It's basically it applies to everybody in terms of trucks and vehicles and phase-in time. But there aren't any exemptions that you know of, at least right now. Well, it's interesting because it's um, we have jurisdiction over uh, California has jurisdiction over California, um, and so at least that sort of first term of this order. Um, or the terms related to to passenger vehicles and and um, freight vehicles that are on the road are mostly related to vehicles sold in California. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess one of the other directions in the order is uh, this is in the second term in there um, is directing the State Air Resources Board to develop and propose strategies in coordination with other state agencies, the the federal government, local air districts. Um, et cetera, to achieve 100% zero emission from the from the that type of equipment that goes beyond passenger cars that'll that are sold to private individuals, and so there's definitely a need for a cooperative process in order to really transform um, all of these vehicle fleets, and I think the order recognizes that. Um, and there's in further down in the order, if we look at the um, directions that it gives related to transportation infrastructure. There's a lot of other pieces here too, that how we build roads, where we build them, what type of sales models are available, what type of uh, transportation modes are available to people and to goods movement. Um, you know, whether we remain a freeway-based society or we start to find um, ways to get around that don't require people to, you know, stand still in traffic for two hours on the 405. I think these are all questions that really are part of decarbonizing transportation. And um, it's really gratifying that that we see in this order that kind of systems-based approach, uh, really from the oil wellhead all the way to where the wheels meet the road in thinking about the transportation emissions. You know, as far as um, directing the ERB, um to devise these uh, regulations and put them together. One of the room, this is polit- another political question. Uh, one of the uh, strong rumors up here is that Mary Nichols, the ARB chair, uh, who's been ARB chair off and on for decades, uh, is probably going to retire uh, soon, maybe next year, maybe early next year. And her successor may be uh, Hector de la Torre, former assemblyman, is also on the board. So my question is, if there is a new chair at the board and it's reconstituted in some fashion, would that affect the the uh, rigor of these uh, regulations that they've been directed to put together? Would there be any, you know, as far as their internal policies go and as far as the ARB's 
philosophical approach to regulating. Do you see any changes there, or would it be a smooth continuum from current the current board administration to the next? Um, I I don't know who the next ARB board chair will be. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> that will be very lucky to get you into trouble. We love yeah. you on that, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, all all of the board members, including the chair, have sort of fixed terms now, and they, they can be reappointed when those terms come up. But um, uh, but yeah, I think probably sooner or later there will be a new chair, whether it's at the end of um, Chair Nichols's term this year or 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 sometime after that. Um, and whoever the chair is really uh, has the ability to, to really leave their stamp on how the agency operates. Uh, that said, I think a lot of this work really gets done at the staff level, and a lot of it is an interagency process. Um, I think having gone through this order a few times, I've counted um, at least five state agencies that are mentioned in it, uh, maybe more. So it's... Um, so I wouldn't, um, I'm not personally hanging all of my expectations on how implementation goes on any individual person in, in the state government. I think there's a, there's a lot of, a lot of folks involved in making this happen. Great. Well, one last question, uh, David, sometimes California serves as a template or it serves as an example for the rest of the country. That's been true over the years in air pollution regulation, air quality management, uh, for the industrial Northeast, among other areas. But I'm wondering, do you see this executive order uh, having the same function? Do you think when California does it and shows that it's workable, do, does that mean other states may do it? Especially, I'm thinking now, especially in the industrial Northeast, the New Yorks, the Massachusetts, um, maybe Pennsylvania. Do you see other states following this? I hope so. But, you know, what we see is that sometimes states adopt California's policies. Um, and sometimes uh, California creates markets and states uh, have, and consumers in other states have choices that they wouldn't have otherwise, thanks to how California's policy goes. Uh, you know, one in eight Americans lives here and um, we're the world's fifth largest economy. So if California is selling 2 million zero emission vehicles a year. Right now, we're about half of the U.S. market. Um, oh, wow. Really? If, uh, if Joe Biden is elected and succeeds in enacting um, policies in line with what he's proposing, um, other states are going to be moving rapidly to zero emission vehicles as well. But even um, if we just look at the way California has the power to move markets, um, those vehicles will be very available. They'll have robust supply chains. Uh, and they'll come at affordable price points, and people will just buy them. So if we're at 100%, um, it would be very strange for everybody else to stay at 2 or 3% while we make that big of a change. And so this has really um, a lot of power to change the way transportation looks uh, throughout the U.S. and potentially around the world uh, and so how we implement it actually could be very consequential. That's why it's important to do it with, um, with racial equity in mind, with social justice in mind, um, with a prioritization for making the jobs that, and there will be many, many of them in building these vehicles and their supply chains, um, making those good family-sustaining jobs that, um, that we can be proud of as a state. 
Great. Dave Weisskopf, thank you very much. Senior Policy Advisor for NextGen, thank you so much for joining us. Tim Foster, thank you very much. Hey, thanks, John. And this is John Howard saying I will see you next time around. Take care. Great. Thanks Bye-bye. very much. The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Bye.